The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... M-M-O-W's Oscar Race Update. And we're back! Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, your weekly Oscar Race Checkpoint episode, 17 years to the day of the release of the Oscar-nominated film Pokemon Forever. Why That's the number four. Always do this. Yeah. Well, you, you, you have you not seen Pokemon Forever? I have, I think. <laughs> Strangely enough, because I had younger brothers who were into it. Right. You've talked many times. Pokemon keeps coming up in the show like about how you just missed the mark. I was into it. You were a little too old for it, but I don't know why it keeps coming up like this. I mean, the obvious joke is to say that movie felt like it went forever. Uh, I just think the fad has gone on forever, but I know people love it. Yeah, still making Buku mm. bucks for Nintendo. Wise business decision on their part. We're hoping to make some of those in the future, but hi, we're Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm your co-host, Mike Wan. This is co-host also Mike. It is a beautiful day, though, Mike, yeah. because a new Feinberg forecast came out. We always want to... Take the opportunity to kiss Mr. Feinberg's ass Scott because... Scott Feinberg Marketing Department is Yeah, I mean, look, we do it for a reason, folks. <laughs> I, he, he, the guy's the standard, he and I loved that forecast this this morning reading that. So go and read that on The Hollywood Reporter. He, he is the man, and he is a, a friend of the show, and we're very proud of that fact. Yeah. But we got a loaded episode today, and it's more traditional... Oscar Race Checkpoint because it's film festival news, award season news. We actually have some awards to talk about from yeah. the Hollywood Film Awards. And then we got the Best International Film category locked up, a half a dozen Oscar trailers, that kind of day, and it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of stuff to get into, so let's not waste any more time. We'll get right into it, and we'll start, I guess, putting a bow on some Joker stuff until we it's think. inevitably <laughs> going to come up again, but we'll deal with some more Joker fallout. That's where we'll begin this episode. So Peter Hand and wrote an article for Deadline.com about the screenings uh, to over 700 Academy members at the Samuel Goldwyn Theater. Apparently it was also happening in New York where Academy members got to see Joker last weekend. Yeah. Several takes on this audience's reaction. Some said, quote, very good. Some said mixed. Like the audience is taking the temperature of the audience around them <laughs> throughout these commentaries uh, in the article, which I thought was fascinating. Uh, apparently some said that old members didn't like it. Younger mem members did. There's a shocking and revelation. <laughs> of course, most people seem to love Phoenix's performance. Yeah, Joanna Desto was on top of this for Vanity Fair, and she reported that there was responses from Academy members that spanned from irresponsible to calling it a masterpiece the right. overwhelming majority i guess the feeling at least is that joaquin phoenix is going to be undeniably nominated but as for the rest of the movie and we'll see again want to shout out scott feinberg he covered it and he like categorized a ton of different kind of academy members from this branch or that branch right. from this gender from that gender from this age to that age and he gave all of their quotes in there so i thought that was an awesome article as well he also said that chris rock and michael moore two academy members have praised it on social media you know i know my brothers come to me and told me like joe rogan said it was a masterpiece on his podcast oh well if rogan said so if rogan said so i don't it must mean it looks good on mdma i don't know what rogan's movie <laughs> taste DHT. But he thought it was a masterpiece. Let's just put it there. Leave it that that. Don't let's not go at the king of podcasting if we can help it. But a lot of comments out there right now. I did want to ask you, Mike, do you think the reception, the audience reception, is helping or hurting its best picture chances? Because the more I think about it, the more it helps it. 
Helps it. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I'm I'm very torn. I'm like a Natalie and Bruglia song. Hey yo. It's I'm very torn in my opinion of that because I could see the controversy doing it some good, but I could also see if it's not going to land with the older Academy members, how does it have any hope to survive in a best picture race? I don't understand how that equals out. My feelings are what these articles explain. I, I think Joaquin gets nominated. I don't know that the picture goes very far outside of that. At the same time, though, the audience scores are huge. Mm-hmm. The there, there was also like some scuttlebutt, I forget in which article, where they're saying that people are going to secretly love this movie and vote for it because they secretly, you know, agree with it more than it's not. It's going to be like a Trump supporter. You can't be vocal about being like, supporting Trump, but in the, the back alleys when nobody's watching, year. you'll vote for Yeah, him. like last year with Green Book. That was like a secret underground mm-hmm. hit where a lot of the white guys really liked it or a lot of the <laughs> secret closet conservative leaning folks or whatever, the, the centrists, you know, yeah. they're, they're in the middle and they, they kind of liked it because it's old school. It's kind of that kind of a fun movie. I think I tend to agree with David Ehrlich who had an article about Joker on IndieWire and its impact about what it wanted to be, what it tried to be, and how Fight Club... The article is titled, Why Fight Club is the Movie That Joker Failed to Become. Wojciech Weishow actually shared this with us. Riley Anspaugh had it over on her Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of different places from people I I respect, and I I gave it a read. I tend to agree with his breakdown, and it's kind of a controversial take, I guess, but... I feel like if the further away we get from this, people are going to get a sour taste in their mouth about really? the film overall. That's how I... I mean, that's my opinion, so who knows? That means nothing to anyone. I understand that. But that's just my feeling of it. And I'm probably influenced by people in my life right. giving me their opinions because recently, like, my brothers are seeing it. Surrounded by yeah, I, a lot I, of happy I, white people that saw this movie. They like that. Yeah. I mean, they, they understand. Like, right. No, I get it. I'm not, I'm not taking shots. Red it's flags. been obviously received well, so... Uh, it's going to be one of the more fascinating Oscar story to watch and keep track of, and that's why we're here, and I can't wait to keep track of it. Just uh, some more on the reception of this uh, movie, how it's been in that showing to Academy members. The Hollywood Reporter on that article also said they had a quote from one of the members of the producers branch in the Academy. said, quote, All of director Todd Phillips's films are impeccably made, but I deeply despise the movie. It made me feel really uncomfortable. I, I just think when push comes to shove... That's going to be the prevailing feeling. Like, how can we celebrate this movie? People are going to know we voted for it, if you're an Academy member. It's not like we're going to be able to hide that fact. So, the movie's polarizing. Yeah. And I think I think what you're saying is that people in between those polls are not going to vote for it. Is that what you're trying to get at? Because I, I think it's clear that the movie's polarizing. Yeah. Masterpiece or, well, or not, or, or disaster. Because it is polarizing, yeah. I think it's an easy tiebreaker to vote against. Like, I think if it's like that or Marriage Story, the easy tiebreaker is to go against Joker for those reasons. That's how I'm... That's where I'm landing on it right now. Well, that's interesting. Let, let's get in a few more, like, uh, Joker-adjacent stories here. The first one is going to connect to a story in a few minutes as well. Martin Scorsese's comments about comic book movies. And this is very strange to me because he was on this as a producer for a hot minute Bizarre, there. Bizarre, yeah. He said, the franchise referring to the MCU, quote, isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being, unquote. This is a hard disagree for me, Mike, but I'm pretending that I'm in Downton Abbey right now and I'm like... 
bowing to the Lord and giving him a very, you know, neutral response that is really the biggest diss in the world. And I'm just like walking backwards, not giving, showing him my back and saying, yes, Martin. Yes, Martin, you're wrong. I quibble with you. I right. quabble is the new word we just invented. Did you only watch The Incredible Hulk, Mr. Scorsese? What happened to you? I'm sure you didn't see the last few. So the irony, and this blends well for covering these stories, is I think the best take on this was given by Robert Downey Jr. in that interview, which is right. the next story we're going to talk about anyway, but interviewed by Howard Stern. When Howard Stern asked him his thoughts on Martin Scorsese, it's, you can't take Martin Scorsese's opinion lightly. Of course, he's a master of cinema. He knows what he's talking about. So it's his opinion. He's entitled to it. I, we can think he's just off the mark or we can disagree with it. And that's where I think all of us stand to say that there's no emotional conveyance in the MCU films. I just don't understand how someone can reach that conclusion. But it's Martin Scorsese and he knows more about film than any of us ever will. So Flashback to both of us like sobbing in the audience right, exactly. during Endgame. I, and, tears in our eyes, right. of course. So again, I don't agree with that assessment, but I, it's... Martin Scorsese. It's so, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. There was also a couple of stories about the sequel possibilities for the Joker, and I just want to touch on them for a second here, Mike. Chris Evangelista did like a, a summary article on Slash Film, and apparently Phoenix has come around to the idea with Phillips. I mean, the, this was also in a Rolling Stone, Peter Travers interview, where Phoenix says he can't stop thinking of it. Brett Cullen, who played Thomas Wayne, had a fun theory about where the movie could go. That's spoiler heavy. We're not going to get into that. But fans got to be eating this up. We kind of talked about this, I think, in MMO Weekly recently, or maybe it was the Joker Award show that we just released. We've done every episodes. episode on the Joker pretty much <laughs> over the last two weeks. But the sequel, the idea that this is a standalone film as Todd Phillips kept pounding into our heads. Right. This is separate and not a comic book movie and etc. It's tough to take as a serious statement when you see the film mm -hmm. because the sequel is laid out for you. Whether it's, there's a lot of routes you can go, a Bat Batman route, Commissioner Gordon route, Joker getting like an army route. There's a yeah. lot of different avenues you can go for a sequel that kind of writes itself. And I think that was purposefully done. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the movie was ended intentionally to leave the door open there. I think Todd Phillips and WB knew exactly what they were doing in this aspect. I'm surprised in a meta way that the story is coming out this early because I would think, and we talked about this too, the notion that this is a standalone comic book movie, quote unquote, that's not really a comic book movie would help its Academy chances. I think, being part of a comic book world, a right. cinematic universe, now you're going to win over, have some Oscar Academy voters that are like, well, this is just another comic book movie. It's, I can't vote for a comic blah, blah, blah. But that could come into play. What are they caring about now, though? After the movie is going to make a billion dollars, potentially, yeah. or be on the fringe of 700 to a billion, maybe it'll get make 300 million. If people think it's the start of a new series, now you're playing towards the comic book fans who go back again and again yeah. and again to the theaters. Now you are, you know, basically servicing the franchise more than you're servicing the prestige of it. We just talked about one of the most famous filmmakers of all time it's just having a grudge against comic book movies because they're comic book movies, right? So I, he's probably not alone. Mm -hmm. So thinking, treating this property as just another comic book movie and that you're going to have world building on top of it and be its own cinematic universe, I would imagine that's going to ruffle some other feathers in the Academy to hold it against it. Yeah, true. I don't think it's a wise idea to do that. At, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm surprised they started to do that this early. That's where I'll land on that. Okay, so in a connected story, strangely yeah. enough, Robert Downey Jr. has declined to campaign for the Oscars. <laughs> this was a Howard Stern interview. 
this is the new thing. I hope everybody that's up for an Oscar this year goes this route because Brad Pitt started it, right? <laughs> I hope everybody talks ad nauseum about how they're not campaigning for an Oscars right. by campaigning for an Oscars because this this question by Howard Stern, he was not asking about he was asking basically about why Tony Stark has never been Oscar nominated. He wasn't asking specifically about this year. He wasn't commenting on how Disney just came out and said they're not going to campaign for Robert Downey Jr. for Best Actor. He wasn't asking if Robert Downey Jr. asked Disney to not campaign him for Best Actor or Mm -hmm. at all for Supporting Actor for anything. Those questions weren't there. And Downey took the conversation and was like, well, here's why I'm not campaigning. Here's why I asked Disney to not campaign. It's genius. I think it's really smart because I think... Downey probably makes it as like a token fifth nomination if he makes it at all. Are if they were to campaign for him, supporting actor. No, I'm talking best actor. If he makes the field at all, Mike, you're about to go on a rant later. I've read right, your copy. Right, where he would be fifteenth on yeah, your list. I agree. The the this odds would be stacked against him. But if they if it was right. a regular campaign, if it's just because they wanted to reward him, lifetime achievement type thing, I think he would be I don't think he had any chance at winning it. So by Disney not campaigning for him, right? They save face. They they save the the yeah. whole well we didn't campaign him for best actor, so of course he didn't get nominated. But also, the other side of that t- that coin is that because they're not going to campaign him, now there's this whole groundswell of momentum where people can talk about how it's awesome he's not campaigning for an Oscar and oh, isn't he worthy of it? Anyway? Anyway, let's get him in there. I'm not talking bad about the move. I think it's genius, mm-hmm. but let's also call a spade a spade. I think this is a ploy. Yeah, and he could basically stay at the cool kids table right. in the cafeteria. He doesn't have to switch tables mm-hmm. to like the the nerdy kids where we, right. you and I were. Of course, and go, go with us. The, the 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 dorky nerdy kids holding around trophies all the time who have you know self esteem issues. I guess. <laughs> Look, I I I agree with some of that. I don't think Robert Downey Jr. would have any chance at a, at a best actor. I think he's going to be like twentieth on everybody's list. But I get get your point yeah. in saying that he's got a chance. He's but he's he'll never win it. He probably won't get it. He's got a chance though why bother because it's better PR to like say no we're not right. we're not putting them in for it and I, I get it's all a face saving move by Disney and in some weird backwards thinking way I think he has more momentum doing this if it were to arise organically with enough people saying well let's do this for him as a thank you to Iron Man than if Disney was campaigning for him outright anyway I think it's genius but also let's call a spade a spade for the record, I'm also very saddened by the Avengers Endgame estimation right now, by its status in this Oscar race. I thought that movie was awesome, and I thought uh, that movie was by far the best MCU movie we've ever gotten. Yeah. And everybody seems to be put, you know, cornering it into the VFX, and I'm looking at all of the prognosticators. And it's not where I thought it could be. And that saddens me. If it doesn't land nomination for adapted screenplay, the Oscars have no integrity. <laughs> yeah, especially it's impossible this year, to where please that many people with that. I, we've been over this, but it has to land nomination for adapted screenplay, as far as I'm concerned. And it has to. That's a weak year. I yeah. mean, you know, sound effects, both those categories, VFX, I think, is a shoe in. Sure. Best picture and adapted screenplay; those would make some sense. Yeah. Even original score, perhaps, if, if oh, yeah, enough yeah. of it's original. If it's yeah, if it's considered original, I don't know where they draw the line with that thing. Yeah, but I guess not having actors to campaign for or not campaign not not campaign for. Did I use do that right? Would 
Disney could just call the Academy and just threaten to kick them off and show like a rerun of Desperate Housewives. Are they just the sleeping <laughs> giant in all this though? Yes, Disney, of course. If Disney really wants to flex some muscle here, yeah. they're going to be able They'll to. They'll get it in. Yeah, I, I, I wholly, I very much think that, yes. All right, speaking of best actors, Robert Pattinson is going to compete in the lead actor category for The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe in supporting. Did they just spoil the movie here, Mike? <laughs> I don't know if you can spoil this type of movie with how much of a mind F it seems to be. I'm very excited for The Lighthouse. We previewed it to death. Uh, I can't wait for it to get here. A24 is the distributor, so hopefully, this has been a big talking point on Phil Twitter lately too, but hopefully that means more for Pattinson and Defoe's Oscars chances this year than it would have in, say, last year. I would say let Tony Collette's unwon Oscar die for your sins. Uh, on an eth ethical level, Mike, this would really bother us at the end of the day because this is so overtly, we're not going to campaign for the phenomenal female performance but when we get a movie star a newly minted movie star now who's a man who's white we're gonna go for him so I mean, are you kidding me that's a bad effing look yeah eric like weber says it's all happenstance because a24 lost a, a big cog in their marketing head last year who just really? and they just never recovered from it right. so if it's coincidence and he's been saying that for a while every time i talk about it and i'm hoping that's all it is and he's 100 percent right and it's just they needed to recover from that from losing that person I would be talked down, but it's a bad. It's still a bad look to me. Like, oh yeah, on after, the face of it, 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 it looks uh, yes. We've had agreed, too many stories agreed. like yeah, this it looks, in Hollywood, and it bothers. It me. looks bad, but, but well, we haven't seen the movie yet, so we'll, right. well, I guess we'll weigh in. I mean, if it's a much better movie and it's a much more of an Oscar movie, which I can't imagine, is, <laughs> this is gonna be a. If just, you're gonna nominate Joker, nominate the Robert Pattinson tentacle movie, right? I mean, how many octopuses get you know effed in this movie? What is gonna happen? I anything could happen in this movie, and I'm ready for it. I'm almost looking at it like it's gonna be Antichrist. Yeah, you know the Lars von Trier right. film, just I'm not in. as gross. But, just on in a lighthouse on the shore. I'm in. Sign be, me up. It's going to be nutty. I think the bigger story for me, though, is what we just previewed and talking about the Robert Downey Jr. story. Best actor is going to be just a joke. No pun intended with Joaquin Phoenix's involvement. But, joke isn't loaded. Right. Absolutely loaded. I think right now it's of the big eight categories. It's the one that I think has the most locked in nominations with three thus far. Right. I think Leo's definitely going to be there. I think Driver's going to definitely be there. I think Phoenix is definitely going to be there, but that's the one that has the most volatility depending on how hard the Oscars, the Academy wants to push against it if such a thing happens. So, I don't expect it to, but... Yeah, he could be vulnerable. Right. But. He might be vulnerable, but... Best Actor also is the category with the most potential A-list nominations based on early word of mouth. These are all performances that we've heard could do well, should do well, etc. De Niro, Murphy, Banderas, Chalamet, Kaluuya, Egerton, Pattinson here, Jonathan Price, Adam Sandler, Michael B. Jordan or Jamie Foxx, Paul Walter Hauser, Ed Norton, even though I personally will believe that when I see it, Bale and Damon from the Ford B. Ferrari movie, Kelvin Harrison, then there's the rumors of Brad Pitt being placed in the lead actor category for Once Upon a Time Hollywood, Tom Hanks is still Tom Hanks, even though he's a supporting, maybe he goes lead for the Fred Rogers, that's 17 names I just rattled off for only two to three available spots. So whoever wins this award is absolutely going to deserve it, unless it's Taron Egerton. So you have been on I'm done. Egerton I'm done with the Rocketman stuff. Who, who got under your skin lately with this? Everybody. Because, like, <laughs> I remember us reviewing that movie, and we're like, oh, the performance is incredible, but the movie is kind of aggravating, and it fails in many ways. The performance but, is incredible. He's already, like, number five for me for movies I've seen, though. Right. He's not going to last. Yeah, he's not going to last. And there's a lot of people that think he's number one. Leo's number one! 
Though this is basically yes. you with a, a Leomania yes. uniform on. Yes. God damn it. Yes. So basically what Mike, Mike and Oscar is, folks, is I play the armchair psychologist and I analyze all of my friends' grudges. And that's how we go on with this. Yeah. Tired of the disrespect. I'm really excited to see Dolomite is my name. I'm wondering if uh, Eddie Murphy is going to get into that locks category. And then we just basically have Heath Ledger throwing a broken in half pool cue into the you know Royal Rumble <laughs> of all of the rest of the guys and saying we're going to have tryouts. Make it quick. <laughs> Make it quick, right? Uh, but I, I do think you're right. This We're heading into just like an unprecedentedly loaded best actor it's, it's a nice change of pace. The last few years, best actress has been loaded. Right. Best actress seems a little light this year, which after so many stellar performances year in and year out, it, you're due for kind of... It's, there's still going to be wonderful performances, obviously, but we talk about how the supporting, both supporting categories seem like they have a lot of A-listers, a unique number of A-listers. Right. Best actor now is absolutely loaded. We could be spe- headed for a very special Academy Awards as far as the major categories go. It could be fun. Yeah. And it's it's always more fun when it's star- sure. star-studded. Of course. In, in of many course. ways. Mike, we got some awards to actually talk about here. Many of the Hollywood Film Awards, in fact, were announced on... I'm drawing from Hollywood Reporter here. Toy Story 4 is getting the animation award. We're happy to see that. Seems proper. A little surprise. A little early. A little early. Yeah. I mean, what was eligible? Was Frozen mm-hmm. 2 out yet? Was it in the mix there? Was Weathering with You in that mix? Right, I mean, yeah. The Hollywood Film Awards. That's kind of the story. I don't know that I would put too much stock into this okay. decision. But these, this is interesting because yeah. you're tabbing contenders here because Jojo Rabbit is getting cinematography and production design. I wouldn't have expected production design. Cinematography, I get it because of those stills in the trailers so far. That it looks phenomenal, but it, it looks Wes anderson Yeah, I didn't realize that it was that highly touted in Jojo Rabbit. In the year in which Tarantino and Jordan Peele yeah. and... Greta Gerwig and Martin Scorsese are all vying for these major categories. Hidden Life. Jojo Rabbit just comes along, and if it wins Best Picture, that'd be hilarious. That would be absolutely hilarious. That would show you a lot of cannibalism in the category. You would think, yeah. it It might be a refreshing sign, too, because, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman... All going for old white voters or white voters, mm-hmm. and it would be a you know a fun realization that youthful uh, representation stepping you, up, and right? And we got more representation. It already pulled off the major upset of Toronto, one in the Gulch, Gulch, Gulf, the Gulf Stream. I don't know how to say that word. So it's Grolsch. The best picture there. <laughs> it's Grolsch, and they have uh, beer. Yeah, and the David Grohl Best Picture Award. The Dave Grohl Best Picture Award. <laughs> While we let this joke just <laughs> flounder and die and... It's alive as far as I'm concerned. All right, Randy Newman of Marriage Story. Of Marriage Story, not of Toy Story 4, because I kind of forget, even though I listened to Feinberg's interview, wow, am I all over Feinberg Yeah, in this you episode. really are. It just is what it is. <laughs> I have consumed a lot of his stuff this week. So Randy Newman uh, of Marriage Story wins the Film Composer Award, I guess, for Best Original Score here. We talk all the time. Every, uh, throughout that Pixar rewatch series we did, if Randy Newman's making music, he's probably going to be an Oscar contender. This holds true here. I- I'm just surprised that he kind of went out of his lane to Four do this story movie. as opposed to, yeah and and that's that's interesting editing and sound are both going to Ford v Ferrari this is probably the least surprising thus far something we kind of imagine as far as the sound categories go editing 
maybe a bit of a surprise, but still, if you're going to pull off of a highly polished race car movie, maybe not too surprising, I guess. Who did they bribe to get the Irishman VFX? I want to know this. <laughs> it had to win this, right? Like, to be taken seriously, it better win every VFX award in the lead-up, What it? timing. Yeah. What timing? Because everybody's questioning going yeah. into November this here. Is, I mean, the only way you quell all those concerns is if you sweep the VFX awards, and it makes you look all that much right. better. So. Not only is it, like, a nominee here or mm-hmm. there, maybe it'll be on the radar as better than right. average. Right. No, it's winning VFX mm-hmm. awards. Wow. And get ready for a bombshell now, Mike. Yeah. Downton Abbey <laughs> is getting the award for costumes. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, I'm okay with that. Stay in that lane. <laughs> Rocket Man winning for makeup and hairstyling. You stay in that lane. Wow. And we'll have no problems. I thought you were against lanes. Now you're over. You're, I'm against lanes for people like and lanes. performers. No, I, yeah. I, that's fine. Not for movies. For movies <laughs> and for movies where we have to make lanes to give those lanes awards yeah. or trophies at the end of those races. Okay, all right, good. I, I, that metaphor actually worked. Have surprisingly, you, have, you for informed, once. have you informed your mother about Downton Abbey's success here? Does she have any thoughts? She, I know. I didn't talk to oh, her about this wow. one. So she's got. She's going to be happy and hearing this fresh and just going wild and listening to this episode. She may want to pull. I mean, it's a little late now to warn her, but you got to pull over. If you listen to this in the car, uh, Mama also She's going like, to be happy. Yeah. I bet she's probably going to quibble because makeup and hairstyling, which is what she would have She been. wanted just a sweep. Well, she told me that everybody's yeah. wearing a wig in that movie. Yeah. Something we didn't mention mm-hmm. on our episode and really shocked me that yeah. the wigs, wigs were that good, I guess. I'd give the wigs to that over Rocket Man, but that's all right. I have a grudge. This is never ending now. I'm going to have, be very angry if Rocket Man does well in award season. This is my Bohemian Rhapsody. That's it. It's done. <laughs> the, the, the flag has been planted. Yeah. The gauntlet is laid down all right how about this story mike the irishman will screen on broadway before its netflix debut late november so throughout november the belasco theater there on broadway will be showing the irishman seems like a compromise seems like i mean martin scorsese came out and said how he thought you know they should be in theaters already and so Mm -hmm. you don't want to upset the guy even though you just handed him probably 250 million dollars to make this movie and you seem to be by the near robert de niro's account the only studio that stepped up so this movie can be made the way in scorsese's vision he thought it should be made but still you want to play nice now we were hearing a while back and i remember covering this theaters kind of blackballing Netflix movies because of the whole fact that they're being threatened by Netflix and streaming and that way of, you know, watching movies. Well, they're also not making money off them. That was part of it, too. True. I mean, if you only can put Netflix theaters in your... Why would you pay for the rights to put the movie in that you can only do for two weeks? You can't make that much as opposed to a theatrical run, yeah. People might be waiting for it to come on Netflix regardless, Mm -hmm. and it may not do well, like you're saying... But I think this is points for Netflix here because I think this is innovative and creative because this is like prestigious. And if they are getting blackballed, which I don't know if is the case because we just talked about the fact that we're probably doing Dolomite Is My Name next week because it's coming to so many theaters in Connecticut. Surprisingly, Surprisingly, yeah. like, so we might as well do it even though we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, watch it on Netflix two weeks later anyway, but we're going to. I think we're going to do it. So Patron our theaters. I'm so conflicted by this story. It's cool. It's strange. What does it say about Netflix and distribution? I want to be a fly on those distributors, office, conference call walls. I would be a fly in any Netflix business conversation because we know nothing about them. Really. <laughs> Just the figures. As far, yeah, as far as a major studio, we really don't know much about them, mm-hmm. uh, if you think about it. But... I, I, 
again, it seems like a compromise, and it's, you know, Scorsese's a New York guy. De Niro's a New York guy. Pesci feels like a New York guy. I don't know that much about him. Right, it's fitting. But so it makes sense to, appeal, you know, you want to make Scorsese happy. It's a New York-centric movie. Mm-hmm. This all makes sense. I'm fine with old it. Old people like Broadway. Sure. Old people are going to like the Irishman. Exactly. A lot of old people Let's talk go. from us in this episode so far. I think if you go to Broadway mm. to see a three and a half hour movie, it makes more sense than just going down the street to the Podunk Theater down the hill, right? I don't know how I'm going to sit through this movie. I can't do two hours without like needing a break. I don't yeah. know how I'm going to do three and a half all the way through. I'm not. I'll do it in seven separate sittings. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I just broke your chops about <laughs> watching movies in multiple sittings yeah. before the episode today. And I don't know how you do it, but I, rem- I should remember that it's probably an ailment that you're dealing with. You just can't be sedimentary. Otherwise, you'll collapse, fold like right. a chair. You just won't get up the next day. Yeah, that's true. All right, New York Film Festival here, Mike. Speaking of the Irishman, a couple updated scores after week one, uh, 92 Metascore, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, 62 reviews total. It's holding uh, very high. All it needed to do was not be a colossal disaster at this point, right? I mean, to keep its Oscars chances and to keep people intrigued, all it needed to do was to not bomb, and it hasn't done that, and it's actually surpassed any expectations people could have. Right, so, no, these are masterpieces. Yeah, we're, we're on the way to something special here, I think. Synonyms, I believe this is a Best International Film Selection. 83% on 24 reviews, 85 Metascore. This was like the Run, Lola Run, but a guy version there it's yeah, in france we, this? we reviewed we the trailer a, a trailer of this, i should have yeah. wrote more down on this but I, I i thought that was interesting to see it holding pretty one high one of the running themes is that if you're going to contend for an international feature category you need to have extremely extremely high like better than best picture quality uh critic scores right this would seem up to snuff so something to keep an eye on for sure yeah that meta score jumped out at me yeah. kelly reichardt's first cow this is interesting because it's getting pushed to 2020. That's what I learned from uh, this first week of New York Film Festival. March 6th, it's coming out. 88%, 74 Metascore, eight, only eight reviews so far on Rotten Tomatoes. I look forward to the sequel, Second Cow. Second Cow. And then Last Cow. Okay, so there's only three cows. Yeah, and then the horror adaptation, Last Cow on the left. Oh, no. <laughs> Your joke's today. I really should let this one I'm linger. on fire! Should let this one linger like the last one. Matt Nagley at Next Best Picture, friend of the pod as well. He reviewed Beanpole. This is Russia's submission for Best International Film. And the reviews are outstanding. 100% on 21 reviews. 81 Metascore. This was the one in post-World War II, post-Holocaust. This is heavy, but uh, it worked on Matt and company. In Soviet Russia, Paul being you. I don't know how to act. <laughs> How am I going to react to that one? I don't know if you're leaving this in. It's my silence. Let's move on. Did you just like you and your dad just like trade dad jokes last night? Because you're in rare dad joke form. Listen, am I a comedic genius? It's not for me to say. I guess the bravado just keeps but yes. it yes, I am. flowing. And I, I, But I'm encouraging this more, aren't I, people? Because I need to stop. If I just move past it, that's like when a runaway train. Okay, on October 17th, we're getting a couple festivals. Uh, Rome Film Festival is opening up. They, they're going to have Downton Abbey, The Farewell, Honey Boy, The Irishman, Judy, Waves, and Hustlers. What do you think about all those movies that are already out in our theaters basically being released at this film festival overseas? What Honey Boy is the one I'm focusing on because that seemed to have early momentum when the first batch of critics got to it and were able mm-hmm. to review it. But it's kind of gotten lost as far as 
keeping up momentum. Like we hear a lot about Downton Abbey. Obviously, we hear a lot about the farewell. Obviously, we hear a ton about the Irishman, ton about waves ever since Telluride and those festivals. And then Honey Boy, I feel like we we haven't really heard that much about. So I'm I'm curious to see first of all why that is, if it's mm-hmm. a memorable movie or not, and second of all if. Shia LaBeouf is as good as advertised when we heard from the first set of reviews. True. If he can, you know, sustain momentum and be an awards contender in his own right there. Yes, I would agree with that. I I would be focused on Honey Boy as well in in terms of where we're concerned. But I think there's another story here because I think if something does really well here, give it a little extra look or give it some pause for the Golden Globes. Right? Probably I mean, shouldn't we be focused there? Yeah, probably fair. I don't know much about the Rome Film Festival history. I know we've talked about it as far as a preview aspect. I don't know that we've ever delved into the history right. of it and what it's what it means as far as Oscar chances it, and contendership. It just seems like a huge festival. Like there's a million movies there. It's a yeah. huge city, obviously. Well, anytime you have the collection of movies hitting the fe- you know the post-release festival circuit all at the same time, it's always going to be intriguing to see which one is kind of separated. And yeah. gets their their foot well, in the door first. But it was worth it to posit that theory. Yeah. I know we're relatively new at this game, but we're always trying to find derivatives, and that might be one. The Middleburg Film Festival is opening next week as well, Michael. You got Marriage Story as the opener of the Irishman as the closer. Ford v Ferrari waves. Harry and the two popes are going to be there as well. Kind of the same story. You got a collection of well-known films here that are all supposed Oscar contenders. Uh, Middleburg sounds like a fake town made for a show along the lines of like Gilmore girls how they made the fake town of connecticut for that whole show really and this sounds like one of those towns so i don't believe it actually exists this isn't a real festival <laughs> that's actually a funny bad joke it's a bad joke i realize it's a bad joke i don't make bad jokes michael i just make biting commentary it made me laugh though all right and finally i just wanted to give a look forward to the afi film festival which is starting on november 14th with the world premiere of queen and slim i don't i'm sorry i don't know if it's starting on that date but from the 14th to the 21st were dates that i did Mm -hmm. see richard jules coming out on the 20th the banker on the 21st and that is a film that hasn't been on our radar yet michael anthony mackie and samuel jackson are going to be in that baby yeah a couple Big names here. Richard Jewell, something we talked about in last week's ORC. It has Oscar implications in multiple big seven categories. Olivia Wilde, sporting actress. Screenplay I've seen talked about. Hmm. Director, obviously, Clint Eastwood. Every time he makes a movie, he's going to be talked about in those circles. And even our hero and MMO favorite, Paul Walter Hauser. I've seen his name mentioned along the lines of some best actor. Uh, Scott Feinberg had him listed as the movies he still needs to see. So that's kind of interesting there. I would hope for the best for him. He's on the radar, baby. Absolutely. Queen and Slim, my most anticipated film that isn't named Knives Out for the rest of 2019, and AFI Fest was supposed to be the world premiere, but I know Sasha Stone of Awards Daily has already gotten her hands on it and saw it, and she speaks glowingly about it. Oh, good. Tweet. Oh, wow, Queen and Slim is excellent. It destroyed me. I kept thinking this female character is so great, and of course, female director, great, great, great. So that's nice to hear. Hope it lives up to expectations in everyone's views, and I can't wait to see that. I'm praying that both those leads, Jodie Turner-Smith and Daniel Kaluuya, have something to say about the Oscars race. There's usually someone who's the breakout star of the award season who does not have their career thoroughly cemented yet that that really just wins us over and charms us. Who's I mean, she could be her. Should be her. And Kaluuya 
you know, I'm sure Jodie Turner-Smith is awesome, and I've heard people speak lovingly about her. I'm not that familiar with her myself, but Kaluuya always brings up other people's performances, I mm -hmm. feel like, anyway, mm -hmm. from what we've seen of him since the Get Out days. Uh, certainly in that scene in Widows we can talk about, but he yeah. always seems to be on top of it and bring people up to his level. So I'm very, very excited for that from a performance aspect for both of them. That's not obviously, again, not to say Jodie Turner-Smith isn't fantastic in her own right. I'm just not as familiar with her work, so I'm very interested to see what she puts forth there. The banker, like you said, it's not one we've commented on previously, mm -hmm. but Samuel L. Jackson, Anthony Mackie, Nicholas Holt is in it as well. The premise is a simple one, according to IMDb. It's a story of one of the first African-American bankers in the U.S. Huh. Yeah. I can't help but think of Ben Affleck's The Accountant and how that was. So that's what I was, I was expecting, like an action piece. They're both in finance-adjacent <laughs> industries, <laughs> I guess. Not even close, apparently. So I was way off there. Uh, Samsonite. George Nolfi is the director. He's wrote and directed the Matt Damon, Emily Blunt film, The Adjustment Bureau for Universal back in 2011. So at least as far as premiere titles being shown or debuting, AFI Fest is going to have a ton going for it. It also, I, I saw people online, I wasn't able to find this on the AFI site, but I saw people online saying that other contenders are already booked to be showing there as well. So it seems like it'll have a lot to say about the Oscars race, much in this <laughs> way that Middleburg and Rome will seem to as well. Mike, do you know what won the Audience Award last year at the AFI Fest, though? I don't. Uh, your little farm there, your farm movie, the documentary. Oh, The Biggest Little yeah, Farm. Yeah, Biggest Little Farm. Was I'm going to review winner, that. winner last year. MMOW, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. So. I was so happy about that movie. You did I review talked, it. I reviewed it with you before the show. Oh, you didn't talk we, about it yet? I didn't talk about oh, it on right. air yet. Well, then there you go. That's a nice tease. I thought you did review it already. <laughs> All right, so that's the Film Festival Roundup. We'll move on. We had a, like a handful of six or so Oscar trailer, supposed Oscar contenders releasing trailers this week. We start with the second trailer from 1917, Michael. So I like how they outline the stakes here. It's very ominous. Yeah. And I thought they did a better job in this trailer. I hated Cumberbatch's line, hope is a dangerous thing. Like, come on, dude. Why, why are we doing that, Mendez? <laughs> why are we doing that? It's a little out of nose. The heroism on this play, though, in this trailer, is something else. I mean, we see the outlines of what they're reckoning with here. All the hardships they're going through. How Like, there's some scary scenes in this trailer. Like, just going into a bunker... Like, where you don't know who's who's lurking around the corner after yeah. you know you're behind enemy lines. I mean, that is some scary stuff. These these are two young boys on this mission, and they got planes flying at them. It, it's something else. They're crashing I'm crashing planes. They're rescuing the guy in the crashing plane. Wow. It's a nice homage to North by Northwest in one of the scenes in this trailer yeah. with the, the airplane chasing them down. Great lighting, great costumes and production designing. Those bunkers look true to life and looks like you're actually in the war field there. I know you're very high on this. I know a lot of people are, and I know I'm in the minority here, but I just don't see anything that awes me or sways me from what I said based off the first trailer. It looks very pretty, but to me, I, I think I'm just done with war movies. I think I've seen them done to death, and unless you have something fantastically new to show me, I, I, I can't separate or differentiate that. Now, I know this one does. I know the selling point of this is that it's going to be shot and presented as if it's all one continuous shot, and clearly the point of a trailer is to show the exact opposite of that because right. you get the intercut scenes and stuff like that. I, I'm aware of that, so I know seeing the movie will be a different experience than seeing the trailer. But based on what I've seen, I don't understand how this is at the top of everybody's lists for picture, director, etc., etc., especially because they haven't seen the fucking movie yet. There's nobody has, yeah. <laughs> There's nobody has. It, it just to me looks like another well-done war film. 
All that being said, I, I've been pretty bullish on it in terms of how it looks, mm-hmm. how it appears, who's involved. It, it all makes some sense to me that this, you know, is quacking like a potential duck. Right. You know, it could be a sure. It could be a chicken. It, I don't know, but it, <laughs> but look, it it's a high. It's very polished. Yes, I, I'm starting to see some red flags, though. I mean, why are they just sending these two young boys on this mission of <laughs> this death to save 1600? Right. Yeah. Like, can't they send a few more guys, or a few older guys, <laughs> or like, I don't know if tanks were around back then, but like planes, plane, you got planes. <laughs> there are planes involved. I mean, I, they're gonna have to crystallize that fact for me and really sell me on why yeah. it's the imperative. This is their only chance. They're, right, you're why the best you we've the got. Only one, just because it's your. It seems like emotional manipulation. Too. It's your brother. He's going to die. I mean, Cumberbatch has a time to like pontificate about the whole. <laughs> philosophy of the thing wait, why, wait, why wait. isn't he going that quote won't do let me try another one uh, <laughs> odds of march no that's 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 caesar <laughs> colin firth i mean those two guys would probably have a better chance than these just two younger brothers of the older brothers who are over there and god bless the people in these circumstances because all i can think of is i if i even if i would like gone through basic training and i was a soldier and i was given this mission i would just sprint in the other direct, like as soon as like you got to send, we're gonna send you in. It's gonna be very dangerous. You got to save, and I would just it'd be like the the outline of me would still be there because I would have taken off in the other direction already. That's Dave, how this I would have handled this. Dave is gonna give you some shit. No, he'd be your dead. brother. He'd yeah, no, he's done in this scenario, this right. hypothetical yeah. situation where you're supposed to save him. But what's important is I'd be alive. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Jewell, Mike. Yeah. Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah, buddy. Give me all your Paul Walter Hauser Oscar candidacy pushes and just put them in my veins, please. So we love this guy, yeah. and it's a great job by him in this trailer. He is showing some versatility here. He's got this character that's pretty even keel, it seems, right? And yet, I mean, the way he's flexing his face and yeah. just really intense and really nervous. Questioning then, the FBI all in his view. Yeah. And then how he's going over the top with being forced to, you know, say the line on, into the telephone, you know, over and over again. And it's it's all kinds of subtext working there. I thought he did a nice job working uh, next to Sam Rockwell. John I, Hamm. John Hamm. Yeah, I, look, I think he's on people's radar for a reason. I hope we get a, a true best actor feature with him in the middle of it, maybe supporting. I don't care, but he looks like he's really bringing it emotionally. And even though most of his work has been side characters who are despicable, he does bring the proper emotional conveyance to each one of them. I, Tanya, I thought he was a joy, yeah. especially. So I can't wait to see him. I hope this is a true feature role for him. And my God, if he were to break through in the best actor conversation after the names we just listed off, it'd be a feather in his cap. Certainly, and a huge year, insurmountable odds for someone to break through the best actor race with all these A-listers. Why not Paul Walter Hauser? I'm fully, fully in support of that. I hope so. So my fingers are crossed uh, for this to be a true performance and a f- true feature piece for him. If this could be the Jody Turner-Smith of the best acting category. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great comparison there. So I think this trailer is also a great marketing job because, of course, we know where the story is going. I mean, you can easily look it up even if you're not familiar, but they kind of let you know what's going to happen in this movie. We still want to see it transpire, though, because it's such an underdog situation. It's such a sad situation. It's such an unbelievable situation. They make you relate to the fact that what if you were in this situation and you're a regular guy? I mean, all of those those things are working on you in this trailer, and you got the ominous FBI and the ominous media. I mean, it's some scary stuff. This is one of the kind of stories that gets lost to history a little bit, but... 
My lord, if social media were around in 96 when yeah. the FBI was trying to like convince everyone that this guy yeah. was the bomber at the freaking Olympic Games in America. Oh my god, what a story it was. So I think it's juicy enough to certainly be relevant in this time frame, even if people who weren't alive at the time go to see this. There's certainly enough appeal. And all of that aside, speaking just about the trailer, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood is very hit or miss with his movies these days, at least as True. far as I'm concerned. The guy should just retire and cut and score trailers because there is nobody better at cutting and scoring trailers in this day and age than what Clint Eastwood does. For, the mule, my God, the music in the dun, 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 it still sticks in my head. They only released that one trailer because they figured they were it was strong enough to just do the one. It's great. It emotionally yeah. hooks me in. The music from this, just watching it, the hair stands up on my arms yeah. watching this every time. Never mind the performances that we are getting from John Hamm and Sam Rockwell and Paul Walter Hauser and Olivia Wilde and blah, blah, blah. I hope, just like I hope for the mule because I'm so intrigued by the trailer. I hope this has Oscar legs, and I hope right. it lives up to how excited the trailer made me to see it. I didn't love the mule, though, and that gives me right. a slight pause. Yeah. I, 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 worse than that, I really disliked the mule. The best part about the mule, again, I will say, was the review that Pete Davidson and John Mulaney did on SNL okay. for it last year. Go seek that out on YouTube. But room for Paul Walterhauser here. Absolutely. So. This is interesting. All right, The Good Liar. I have a lot to say about Trailer 2. Get us started on it. For Ian McKellen's and Helen Mirren's The Liar. I have some unforgivable sins committed by this trailer, Mike. Number one, and most of all, Carson is an evil character here. (laughs) Are you kidding me? It's about time. Jim Carter is not supposed to be a versatile actor in my mind. He's supposed to be Carson for another 10 Downton Abbey movies, including and eventually and especially Downton Abbey colon Carson's Garden Party. That sounds like a mobile game. (laughs) Can you imagine like being him and having to play that Carson role for years? The first chance he gets to play an unseedy character. All right, we're gonna you're gonna play a guy who breaks that. Yes. I'm in. <laughs> no. No, why would you do this, Carson? So much pent-up anger fact, over the years. In fact, your name is Carson, Jim. I'm sorry. It's just Carson now. You did in six years. You made your millions of dollars. Your name is Carson to be, and this is this is a, per, a, per, a blessing and a curse. We want you to wear a success. black coat. Yes. <laughs> Look, number two. I got a couple yeah. of these, and it's miles away from the first one. But okay, good. Helen Mirren says the name of the title at the end of the trailer. You're becoming a very good liar. To close the trailer. I'm with you. This is terrible. In any other circumstance. <laughs> but Helen Mirren can say the name of any movie she's promoting, and I'll buy it. So you're putting her in Anthony Hopkins' expert exposition dropper. Yes, yes. And when they know they got a bad exposition absolutely. dump coming. But if it's Anthony Hopkins doing it, it's I'll, okay. I'll buy it. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Any other person... No, I'm with you. You're right. The, the delivery is yeah, flawless. Right. And it's That's how I feel. It impressed Just, them my enough. My God, it's Helen Mirren, yeah. It impressed them enough to put it in the hammer spot in the trailer. Yeah. But I think you're a good point. Like, I, I, I'm a family guy. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> I can't stand that when it happens. Oh, it bothered me. Number three. Old people are falling far too quickly to the ground. <laughs> Mike, have you ever seen an old person fall? No, thankfully. I haven't been around one. God, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. You know, I, I looked after my grandfather for a little bit there in a past life. It takes forever. It takes forever. <laughs> they, like, crumple down. And I, look, I suppose you could trip as an old person and you can get that quick effect. But again... They're very dependent on gravity, and they go straight down. They don't fall perfectly into the path of a subway decapitation, which was like a couple feet 
away from him horizontally. I don't. Get, Unforgivable sin! I don't get awkward at a lot of things, but <laughs> knowing that there's people listening to this who have probably had to deal with this very specific This real-life thing. I have no comedy or comment to bring to this. I'm sorry for all of you, you included, that you had to see this. <laughs> all right. Number four. I'm, uh, I'm not wrong. I mean, no, I, might I, be, I might be speaking out of turn, but I'm not wrong. All right. Number four. The perfect con becomes the perfect match. Yeah. Spoiler well, alert. Wait a minute. This could be smart, though. This is the tagline Because of the movie. we said this on the first trailer, too. Right. We said, okay, so Ian McKellen's supposed to be the good liar, but then it turns out Helen Mirren's actually the better liar. Like, I think this might be them giving in to the obviousness that was set out by that first trailer. Mike, if Don't Let Me Go or Don't Let You Go, David or, or your Yellow O's Blumhouse right. movie, right. if the tagline for that was The Uncle Did It. <laughs> that would be so funny. It would be bad. I'll be there, dot, dot, dot. Yes, it was the uncle. <laughs> I also committed the crime. <laughs> uh, I cannot gripe with any of those complaints. I also have no idea what this movie is about, and this is the second trailer. I don't know what the plot of this movie is. Do you? Has anything been given away plot-wise? see an evil Carson, and his wife, Imelda Staunton, <laughs> you better be... You see Carson go bad, and you just see black. I'm very mad. <laughs> I'm very mad at that. To the point where I'm making fun of old people right. falling. Like a child who says the darndest things here. But Imelda Staunton, his real-life wife, Car mm -hmm. Jim Carter's real-life wife, who was also in Downton Abbey, by the way. There's three people just on trivia. Earth who know this. Imelda Staunton, if she is the evil Carson for Helen Mirren, mm -hmm. then I'll be okay with it. But only then! I I, I stand by all I of this. I don't know where to go. <laughs> I am Mike Parasite, trailer two. We're reviewing this soon. One of the biggest hype-up jobs I've ever seen in a trailer, but they have the goods to hype it up with those critical scores. Watching this trailer and then watching Pain and Glory's trailer, <laughs> it's just so radically different. Radically. Like, this seems like a contemporary awesome piece of intriguing and alluring cinema mm -hmm. and pain and glory seems like if you're going to make fun and mock what you think an international feature is i would say for every international feature, even contemporary american films take note of this trailer it seems like you're not really revealing anything plot wise and there seems like there's a lot of just quick cuts and quick looks at things and shocking reactions on faces and i don't really know what's going on but i still know that there's enough here and enough interpersonal drama that I want to see it. There's like 50 yeah. intriguing facial expressions by this awesome cast. And then there's just some shots that just floor you. Yeah. Uh, and it's been hyped up enough. We had Matt Neglia of Next Best, Next Best Picture on not too long ago for an ORC. And he was talking glowingly about this, saying how it's one of his favorites of the year. And I can't wait to, to get my hands on it and give it the review treatment. I'm worried that I'm too hyped up for this. I'm yeah. worried that's going to hurt our reviews, my review... Because I'm too hyped. Because I think it's going to be the best movie of the decade, like the trailer told me, and like seven people <laughs> said it was a masterpiece in that trailer. Uh, I'm a little wary. Well, it's not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so it can't be the best movie of the decade. Oh, wow. <laughs> the man has principles, folks. Mickey and the Bear. This was a trailer I'm glad we got to see because Clayton Davis on the Circuit Breaker podcast uh, from Award Circuit mm -hmm. there, he's been praising this movie on the last couple of episodes, saying that it's maybe not the Oscar contender, but it, he could see it factoring in for all of those first feature sure. awards this award season from director Annabelle Atanasi. I went to elementary school mm -hmm. with a girl whose name was Atanasio, and then she changed it. Her last name? Yeah. So I'm wondering if this is her. <laughs>
but that's changed it back. Yeah, she had an epiphany. And and she went straight to Hollywood and is making awesome looking movies. But if it is, call me. Uh, <laughs> look, Thomas. It doesn't need to be an Oscar contender to have an impact. Thomas and Harcourt McKenzie leaped into our lives last year and really cemented herself as a major true and future bona fide star based on a very similarly typed plotted movie. It was an indie picture focused on the relationship between a troubled father and his daughter who right. takes up too much responsibility as a caretaker at too young of an age. I really couldn't help but draw those parallels and similarities, and I wonder if we're dealing with the same here with Camilla Marone, who's playing the daughter in this. Obviously, it's a very troubled father. He seems like a drug addict or yeah. alcoholic, some kind of uh, demon that he's dealing with there, and she's playing the role of caretaker, and she very much loves him, but he's causing trouble and problems for her, and yeah. like hints of abuse going on as well throughout this trailer. She's dealing with recovery and relapse. Right. And then, you know, so... And- I think there's certainly enough drama here that you could sink your teeth into, and I'm hoping that we have a new star in the making here in Camilla Monroe, and I'm hoping this is the picture that does what Leave No Trace did for both Mackenzie and Ben Foster to an extent last award season. I hope all of that happens for her because this trailer performance is awesome. James Badge Dale is also very good in this. Yes. He's been a lot, in a lot of bit parts throughout his career. He's like a, a henchman. He's a heavy, you know, often enough. You can see uh, that in this performance, too. Now, everybody else in this trailer, not great performances. Like the, I didn't There's a boyfriend else, who yeah. I wanted to punch in the face oh, just really? because of overacting. It was terrible. You was could be awful. lying to me right now, and I don't remember. There was a boyfriend in this trailer? Yeah, he's like by her locker at the beginning of it. It was just so annoying. It was terrible. There were lockers in this trailer? Yes, Mr. Magoo, there were lockers in this trailer. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Look, this movie's only going to be an hour and 28 minutes, and for the subject matter, I do think you spare your audience too much time in that level of heaviness. This was something six point. Yeah. Six balloons. The Abby Jacobson movie with Dave Franco kind of did for us. I know we had issues with beautiful boy kind of had to live in that for, uh, for a long damn time. Requiem for a dream even gets a little, in some way you're commenting on some of the issues we had with Joker too. I mean, not directly, but that's kind of relating to some of the issues. So this makes some sense to me. November 13th is the only date that I've, I've seen listed, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for this. This looks good. Absolutely. Really intriguing, and I'm glad. Uh, props to Clayton Davis. Uh, this was something that would not have been on my radar otherwise. Yeah. Atlantics is the next movie here, Mike. Senegal has selected it for its best international film spot. Ann Thompson from IndieWire was very high on this movie, saying that she thinks Netflix seems ready to push it hard for best international film. Cool. That's great to hear, right? I'm all for that. So how about this tagline now? Every love story is a ghost story. I don't know. (laughs) Look, I could be just very dumb, okay? (laughs) But there is a lot of trailers in this group, I feel like, that I just couldn't pick out the plot of. Because that's all this is. That's all we're given, right? I I think that's fair because I knew going in that this was going to be like a ghost story romance. Uh, like <laughs> kind of what it is. They yeah. said on IndieWire, yeah. so I kind of, all right, I get it. And I kind of put the pieces together knowing that. I, I think this trailer was strong. All that being said, you know, you do get a sense of the forbidden romance here. I mean, it's like a Capulet Montague thing. Yeah, right before the, the guy, the, the, the man in this disappears, which is what happens. You get so much plot in this trailer. Well, I, thought though. We I, mean, were, you really I thought we were getting 
like a different take on a rom-com to be honest with you the way this starts and i was very excited well, to be cute. like yeah yeah i was very excited to be like this is a rom-com this is what it should be two people already in love and working through yeah. their issues and and then he disappears and things get set on fire one more kiss but it's an arranged marriage but right. no all right. right fine yeah you, you're right we have this potential tragedy at least that's what it's implying uh involved but then we have a ghost like messing up a wedding or something we got yeah. a haunting scene so is this going the supernatural route Dude, is, is the ghost like just figurative? I am so in for this movie. Yeah. Like we have very just appealing. Walked the parade of sadness throughout this best international film category and throughout all these submissions. Great this point. looks cool. Yeah, great point. Great point. Underscored. Uh, it's echoed by me. A lot of these international films we talked about them in weeks past in the RCs. Extremely heavy. This one seems to have more of a plot based. Drama, to God, it, which we, is awesome. We so love a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, we, we love do. genre films, Absolutely. so we're hyped we by this. All right, a couple Academy news stories here. Number one, just real quick, the Academy will allow members to stream nearly all awards season screeners online. Mike, this has got to help indie films. This is something that was rumored to have happened last year. Right. The Academy brought it up. They thought that was a good idea. I, we think it's a good idea. It'll help more of these movies get seen as opposed to just voting for Heaven is the Traffic Jam on the 405 because right. the 405 is in California. Still probably my greatest Oscars call of all time. That's um, a good call. So I think it, the more available these films are, the better they are. But you're just admitting that streaming works for movies better than the theater experience, right? Is it, though? But, I mean... It, uh... I don't want to give in to that yet, even though your logic makes sense. And I can't come up with a retort. <laughs> okay. But I think you're probably right, but I don't want to say you're right. <laughs> so I'll just talk about how I won't say you're right. All right. Uh, best international film selections. They are finished, Mike. 93 countries will compete in this category. I do want to highlight a couple of the newer entries here. Saudi Arabia picked the perfect candidate. This was something that competed at Venice. We have... A story about a female doctor trying to be accepted by her community, and I mean, apparently that doesn't happen out there. This is very indicative of what we just said. A lot of these films are going to be very heavy subject matter, and that's not we're not talking pejoratively about that. That's a necessary thing, mm -hmm. because, again, this is an example of how film is so important, because it's able to spotlight and highlight issues that otherwise may go unnoticed, but are worthy of investigation and ridicule in a lot of times. And it's also a big deal because, like, Saudi Arabia, like, outlawed their film industry for, like, 30 35 years yeah, so part of the this whole is this is awesome revolutionizing here. going on there mexico is submitting the chambermaid 81 meta score two years in a row where it's a movie about you know servants to rich people this is director lila aviles and i'm interested because last year i mean you had roma 93 international selections too i, I think uh somebody out there indywire someone said it was the most of all time wow so good awesome the flourishing very, yeah very fruitful uh bounty here for international waters listen to this one now too vietnam picked fury a martial arts movie that's set box office records there in its home country with 8.6 million awesome. at the box office awesome stars veronica ingo from star wars the last jedi i believe she was the sister at the beginning of it and she's a former gangster basically going taken on a bunch of child traffickers trying to save her daughter mike that's 
sounds very cool. Again, badass, <laughs> badass, best international very, film. Very, very cool. Yes. And then uh, this one also stuck out to me. Greece, they picked the documentary When Tomatoes Met Wagner. This is, quote, the humorous and uplifting story of two ingenious Greek cousins who tackle the world market with their organic tomato products. This sounds like it's something you made. Delicious. <laughs> it sounds delicious, especially while I'm a diet and while, while tomatoes are like my saving grace because I can still eat those on everything. It's spice up my food my bland terrible yeah, horrible tailor made for you and your dietary taste. food yeah. yes i'm in for this <laughs> i'm so happy about it but okay so let's look at the category once overall here we have talked about and highlighted these movies you ready Niza from China, you know, that was the animated movie that made almost a billion dollars. Manos from Colombia. Yep. France's surprise selection of Les Miserables. Mm. Uh, Japan's Weathering With You, the animated film. North Macedonia's, we, you know, we reviewed Honeyland as a trailer. I don't know if we mentioned that that got selected. Spain's Pain and Glory. Spain's mm -hmm. Pain and Glory from Almodovar, of course. And then earlier in the episode, Parasite and Beanpole and Synonyms and Atlantics. Mike... We're not ready to pick our 10 on the short list yet. What are you looking forward to the most in terms of seeing? And what are you looking forward to the most? And, or what are you rooting hardest for in terms of premise? Something, it's one of the same answer for me. Something to give Parasite a run for its money. Be so, Because Parasite right now seems still like the head and shoulders yeah. favorite. And we are talking about these very interesting and intriguing films. It doesn't seem like a quote-unquote normal international feature year. It seems like we have some awesome cinematic endeavors. So I'm hoping that the momentum grabs something here. Even if it is just pain and glory. Uh, we thought it might be Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's not even going to make the cut because France went Les Mis. So I'm hoping something, one of those that you mentioned becomes like the darling favorite and we have this race for something where Parasite doesn't go Roma and just win it in a runaway because it's head and shoulders above the back. So last year, Mike, we had Cold War, Never Look Away and Roma make it into this category and they were crossover nominations, yeah, nominations for each for one more than one category. I'm wondering if out of solidarity, this Academy branch is starting to want to make gains on all these other categories to make the Oscars more international and they're getting behind their more popular, more campaignable properties like Parasite, like in this case, Pain and Glory, maybe Weathering with You if it's going to get animated as well. Who who knows what we thought it was going to be Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Right. Maybe it'll be Les Miserables. Based on last year and last year only, because this is a new trend, could they pick more of the popular films, more of the the ones that we know of well, for that reason. Would that be the biggest leap forward for international feature? Or would the biggest leap forward be if they just threw all their weight behind Parasite and made a best picture push for it and had that win the Oscars, win the biggest prize at the Oscars by winning best picture? That would be, to me anyway, I think that would be the bigger statement for international feature. And it has a realistic shot of doing so, at least as of right now. Right? I mean, a lot of people are very high on Parasite, and there is no runaway favorite in Best Picture. There's some heavy hitters, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, some big American heavy favorites. Yeah, But just, Parasite, I think, has a chance. I would be shocked if Parasite has a chance and Parasite is not nominated in this category. That would be unprecedented. And I think people... I think people would take Parasite less seriously if that happened somehow. I don't know how that would happen. I don't think it I, don't, I think Parasite's a lock for this category to be nominated. I, so it has to be, right? Yeah. It I has to be. Absolutely. But my, my question is, 
do we get the rest of the more popular movies involved now because they did it last year and they might be trying to push more for crossover category? You sound like you may have something in mind. I mean, do you? Th- what of those do you think is registering as the most popular foreign film if it's or international feature? I'm sorry, if it's not Parasite, if you had to pick a second place right now. Look, I'm a little hesitant to proclaim something like Pain and Glory, which played at Cannes. And Cannes just has a tumultuous connection to the Oscars right. over the years. It's just, you know, we did that crossover mm-hmm. statistical analysis at one point, and it wasn't there. But, you know, coming out of the Golden Globes, and this is a comparison I always make. Coming out of the Golden Globes, I always add five international films to my watch list and over the last 10 years since i've been following this as closely as you know we both have mm-hmm. a lot of times most times the bigger more popular films the ones that i get excited about don't get nominated for the oscars that right. has been a trend and there have been like won't you be my neighbor like snubs the best documentary category this year is talking about pushing Apollo 11 for best picture that they want to make gains into other categories as well. They want to, be, you know, we've seen it happen with best animated films. We've seen it happen with best international films. International films are even making more gains with crossover noms. I wonder if they, you know, out of solidarity, you know, take Weathering with You. If they take Les Miserables, if it had, Les Miserables beat out Portrait of a Lady on Fire, something we thought was going to be a front runner right. in this category, at least a lot to be nominated based on the fact that that's getting crossover bug buzz for its actors. I mean, that's that's what would have been my number two in this category. And yeah. though, uh, France did what it did with Les Mis. So I'm hesitant to proclaim who the which pictures those are yet. That's what I was interested in doing like these international film segments because it's it'd be nice to get some buzz going and to, to figure out what we're going to see. I tried to go see Monos this week. Right. I was so devastated. Projector, I got all the yeah. way. I went to the further theater that was in the city. I drove uh, drove 50 minutes to get there. There was some traffic. I got there and they're like the the copy's busted. We can't play it for you. It's so disheartening. And it was a it was a major <laughs> bummer. It was a major bummer. And now I'm like I don't want to even see it now. <laughs> no, but I wanted to see it really bad. I still do. I hope I can. Uh, but I don't know because I haven't seen many of these movies yet. But I want to. Yeah, I I feel like, I can't remember, but was Cold War a hit right, I feel like Cold War was a hit right out of the gate as soon as people got their hands on it. It won a million European film awards, I remember, and that was a big part of the awards. But that was a late breaker, though. So it was later in the year, then? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, maybe we're getting around the time where we're going to find out what's, uh, what's a hard number, too. But I think Parasite's a lock. I would be... Shocked beyond belief if because I think that has best picture aspirations. Mm-hmm. So I would be shocked beyond belief if that not only wasn't. I mean, if it didn't win, I'd be shocked. International feature if it didn't win, but if it doesn't end up nominated, I think that would be a, a huge, huge story mm-hmm. because it's already been so prevalent and relevant to everyone, and uh, it's been at the forefront of this category. So, gonna be interesting to see what takes hold as that like popular pick of the the underground pick, especially because, like I said, this is a huge year for international feature 90 plus pictures being available and being nominated mm-hmm. and being up for nomination uh it's awesome and we want the oscars to be more of a global look and it's it's trending in that direction so we'll hope the momentum that was started last year by the international features does keep up this year uh and they're able to make some headway into some other categories that would be great to see 
And I also noticed that The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, another movie I reviewed on an MMO mm-hmm. Weekly at the beginning of the year, that is the United Kingdom selection. Oh, there you go. So that was really strange. I forgot to mention that earlier. But who knows? You know, David Oyelowo might have an Oscar movie after all, after The Uncle <laughs> Did It and that other movie that we think The Uncle Did It. Will you forgive Manos and will you try to reconcile with them and try to see it? Yeah, I will because of the cinematography. <laughs> like that trailer. We both it gushed over awesome. Yeah, yeah it looked really great. Does. I, I got to see it. All right. Well, that's your weekly dose of Oscar race news. As always, want to know your thoughts, comments, questions, opinions about this, anything we covered in this episode, and anything we do here in the MMO Empire. You can reach out to us and leave us those at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You do hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And since they've just changed the iTunes now and kind of shut that down, you can go to your podcast app uh, on your iPhone there. It's a little purple square with a little antenna sticking up from the middle of it. Uh, tap on that. You can type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar into the search and submit. Scroll down until you see our logos, our cartoon Halloween uh, costumes waiting mm-hmm. back at you. If you tap on our faces, scroll down once you see the opportunity to leave us five stars and everything I just described takes much, much longer than uh, you just doing the act and leaving <laughs> us five stars and making our day in the meantime and feeling good about yourself. You do something nice for someone. Your good deed of the day. It. Exactly. Let it be here to help us. <laughs> yes, we proclaim that would be exactly. a good thing. Uh, Mike, what are some words of wisdom and what's coming next from MMO? What's coming next is OSPs for Parasite and Dolomite is my name. I think we agreed on that going into today. MMOW is going to drop at the beginning of your every week. Oscar Race Checkpoint still towards the end for now. We do have a fun event to remind you of. That is our submission for the all the horror 31 days of horror podcast series we're putting our episode out next thursday it's going to be a clip show where all our podcaster friends are submitting their takes on how they would spend the zombie apocalypse so a lot of you know fodder for comedy there I'm sure we'll miss the boat based on this episode and how we <laughs> crack jokes throughout. I think you're delusional. And the yeah, well, that's your opinion. Are of grandeur. <laughs> so hopefully we were worth a few chuckles based on, you know, stepping on our own jokes, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but Mike, to bring back an old metaphor as a word of wisdom here. Yeah. Oscar mural, right? Yeah. That was an old metaphor for us. It felt like that mural became the size of a building Mm. at the beginning of this fall. And then I feel like we were erasing a bunch of things. Like, because all these movies were like, this is not as good as it was, right? Some disappointments. Lucy in the Sky, all of these movies. No, Pretender, Pretender. Now, after the international film category, after this episode in particular, I feel like we've just created a whole nother mural. I mean, it's there's so many more movies now on my radar after this episode. It's going to be a hell of a countdown, and especially with that condensed calendar as we lead to the Oscars in the early part of February. Oh boy, going to throw everything into disarray, so definitely stick with us for the waning months of 2019, mm-hmm. and we'll lead you to the promised land with all things related to the little golden statues, guys. Uh, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies and more with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We'll see you soon. See you.